go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to make, a, actually we're on the same theme as this morning. Now this morning the focus was on obedience. And it's specifically obedience to the voice of the Lord. And what we mean by that is not just what's, I mean, we're all supposed to be obedient to the written word. You know, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery is still in effect. <laughs> and, and it's in effect for everybody. There's no exceptions, okay? You, you know, but, okay, so there's, there's the general word from the Lord for everybody. But see, right on the other hand, God did not tell anybody else to ever build an ark. He only told Noah to do that. God never told anybody but Moses to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. Uh, on and on and on we could go with that. So there is a general word to everybody, and there are specific words, call it personal words, to you. And we've talked about that many times. One of the most important to me is Ananias, a guy, not the one that died <laughs> because he lied about his giving, the other Ananias, whom God called to go pray and lay hands on, Saul. And as far as Ananias knew, Saul was still arresting and murdering Christians. And But the Lord says, I want you to go lay hands on him that he receive his sight. And, you know, and it, I, I love the real relationship. Ananias goes, do you know who this man is? <laughs> In today's language, are you, who? You want me to go pray for who? This guy, he arrests and kills Christians. You know, I mean, now you talk about obedience to the voice of the Lord. And how important was it? Dear Lord, this guy, Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, wrote, what, two-thirds of our New Testament? It is so important that we learn to obey the voice of the Lord. So that was really this morning's message. Now, starting with the same passage, and I mentioned it in this morning's message, but really the subject, because we're going into revival, we all pretty much know we got to obey the Lord. I mean, okay, that's kind of Spirit-filled 101, okay? But see, the real subject right now, and okay, let me back up. I've got to take three steps back. <laughs> Since B is here, I'm going to talk about Helena, her sister. Dave was still active. Uh, Dave will be active again, don't get me wrong. But this was a time when Dave was fully engaged. He prayed. I know B prayed. Everybody in B's family prayed. Helena prayed. Uh, Dave prayed. Tim prayed. I remember a service where we all, we about smothered the poor girl. And she was sitting right there. We all, we all were praying. None of us were patty caking around. All of us were praying with all the, like Dave says, milking every cell for faith. We commanded over the course of time. We prayed. We commanded. We rebuked. We exhorted. We about rubbed Helena's hair off, laying hands on her. The end result, no matter what all we did, we could not run that cancer off. I'm going to say it that way. And she, Helena died. Now, we could mention others. Mary Corbett, uh, our friend Rudy, uh, our friend Dino. Who? It, but now the point is, how, how come? What, has Jesus changed? Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe Jesus Christ in us has changed. So that he doesn't have the same power now that he had then. Well, I, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm surprised Sue isn't already up here slapping my face for even saying that. 
Because Jesus Christ, we all know, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The gospel is the same. How many think the Word of God maybe has changed? No, the Word of God has not changed. So now the question is, and, and it's still going on, because we just lost Dino the last day of the year. We were all doing everything we knew to do. So now here's the question. I'm going to say it the way he said it to me this afternoon. You can say you have authority all you want to. But if it ain't happen when you speak, you're not really operating in authority. Now, positionally, I can turn to the same verses you can turn to. All, all authority, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, you go and in my name. I agree with all of that. I teach all of that. I'm, I'm fully engaged with you. We, I have no problem with that. My problem is Dino died. Helena died. So I've been asking the Lord. And then Sue and I and Angie, all three at the same time, we come down with COVID. There's an enemy in the temple of God. As far I, How many knows your body? It says specifically, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It, you look up the word body, if I remember right, it's Soma, S-O-M-A, and it means your physical body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Well, now there's an enemy in the temple. So I, I'm going, I'm rebuking. Sue's rebuking. One night my fever got up to 103 and climbing. And Sue got alarmed. She's rebuking everything in the house, up and down the street. <laughs> Die everything if it's not of God. I mean, a woman's stomping her. And she's sick herself. And she's stomping around and rebuking, you know. <laughs> and thank God my fever started going down. It never went back up to that again. But see, we should be able to just run it off. To be honest with you, I think we should be able to run COVID off the earth. I really do think that. But see, thinking that... And operating in that is two different things. So I've been asking, you know, we had, I had plenty of time to think about it, pray about it. I couldn't run the enemy out of my own temple, much less hers, much less Dino's. God, what is wrong? And what he brought me to was Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5. Now, this morning we emphasized obeying the voice of the Lord. Tonight, I think the emphasis is the foundation of authority. Now, Jesus has delegated his authority. There's no doubt about that. We've got a lot of verses on that. Okay. Anyway, Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5. And you've got to remember, now, this is looking at authority. And Jesus, right here he says, I have not found this kind of faith anywhere else. Yeah, Matthew 8, and we're going to start in verse 5. I have not found this level of faith anywhere else in Israel. And what's amazing, the guy he's talking about is not even a Jew. He's a Roman. He's a Roman. Now, he's a Roman centurion. He's not just a soldier. He has been promoted because of his obedience. We'll get to that in a minute. So he is a Roman centurion, meaning he has a hundred men under him. Okay. Now, so let's read it first. How many knows it's good to read the Word of God in the house of God? So Matthew 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, Well, I will come and heal him. This centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Now, stop for a minute. I, every time I teach this, because I was raised in a doctrine that said, we're also unworthy. And that's not at all what the man means. 
He is a Gentile. And during that dispensation, it was unlawful for a Jew to go under the house, under the roof of a Gentile. That's all he's saying. So he's being very courteous to the Lord. You don't need to come under my roof. Okay? Now notice. Here's, the, But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now that word therefore means he ain't done talking yet. Why do you say that, Mr. Centurion? How do you, how are you so sure that if Jesus speaks, your servant will be healed? Well, there's a four. And it's the reason why. For I am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Now when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Skipping down to verse 13. Jesus said to the centurion, Go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now, Dino should have been healed in the selfsame hour when we prayed. Mary Corbett should have been healed in the same selfsame hour. Helena, her sister, should have been healed. Sue and I and Angie should have spoken the word, come right out of it. Now, what's wrong? Okay. The centurion was a man under authority. What does that mean? He was completely yielded to the will of Rome. When orders came down from his superiors, he did not question the order. His own will, his own personal will, was not involved at all. Now get this sentence. The centurion lived for Rome. You got that? The centurion lived for Rome. His job was to hear and obey. His own personal will had nothing to do with it. Now he was a man under authority, which made him a man of authority. You got that? Now look at what Jesus says. Let's go on over to John chapter 5. And look at verse 30. Because Jesus was completely sold out too. Jesus was completely sold out to the Father. Look what Jesus says in John 5 verse 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just why? Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. While you're, you're close, going over to John 6, look at verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, see, the centurion knew about his own life. I am completely sold out to Rome. In fact, the, the, the reason that I have been promoted to be a centurion, they have watched me. And they have found that I don't disagree. I don't let my own intellect get involved. When they give me an order, I understand my job is to do it. I am here. He could have said, I am here to do the will of Rome who sent me. Couldn't he say that? Jesus said, I am here to do the will of the Father. Who sent me. So he understands the Roman because he says, because they know that about me. 
Rome has entrusted me, promoted me, over a hundred men. And they know if they, could, they can tell me to do anything, I'm going to do it. Well, Jesus says, whatever my father tells me, I'm going to do it. Okay. Now, see, we're not going to have revival without that level of selling out. And it doesn't matter to me whether you're a pulpit minister or whether you sweep the floors, answer the phones, raising four kids. You've got to be sold out to Jesus. You've got to do what he says no matter what. I re- I'm, I'm remembering the story of Mario Murillo. I don't know how many of you know him. I love Mario. When he was a youngster, somebody he, he borrowed his brother's bike, and they grew up poor, really poor. His father had made this bike for his brother with parts that they had found and then painted it, and so it looked nice, you know. And so Mario wanted to borrow it, so he borrows it from his brother, and it gets stolen within an hour. Well, he felt like a sheep-eating dog, you know. He felt terrible. He could, couldn't replace it, didn't have any money. Felt awful, you know. And Mario was just learning to hear the voice of the Lord. And so he started telling God, he says, God, I am so upset that you let that happen. I'm going to get in your face every day, all the days of my life, and remind you that you have no power to do anything about it. The devil stole my brother's bike, and you didn't do anything, and you can't do anything about it. I'm going to tell you that every day. I've heard, I mean, I love it. You, you know, you can get real with God. I don't remember how many days, a few days later. Now, here we go. Obey the voice of the Lord. Mario heard the voice of the Lord go to the barbershop. Now, that's where it got stolen from. It's at the barbershop. <laughs> Dave has a famous story about the barbershop. But anyway, he goes to the, God says, go to the barbershop. He said, well, I, the thief isn't going to come back to the scene. They're not, what do you mean go to the barbershop? Go to the barbershop. So he goes to the barbershop. He's standing across the street. And all of a sudden, a guy rides up on a bike. But it's a completely different color. Doesn't look at all like the bike of his brother, you know. And the guy leans it up against the building. And the guy goes in. And the voice of the Lord comes to Mario and says, get on that bike and ride away as fast as you can. Mario says, God, you've gone ghetto on me. (laughs) You want me to steal a man's bike? God says, get on the bike and pedal away as fast as you can. So he goes over, gets on the bike, pedals away as fast as he can, gets several blocks away, out of sight, I guess, you know. Mario remembered that his dad, when he built the bike for the brethren, on the metal seat part, you know, there's a seat and a cushion and a cover. Right? On a bicycle? He remembered that on the metal part, his dad had engraved uh, Marillo. Marillo on it. He gets a few blocks away and he gets curious. Gets off the bike. Gets a hold of the cover. Starts peeling it back and there's an M. Peels it on back. Marillo. Oh my Lord. It's his brother's bike. And here he'd been telling God, you can't do anything about it. They had painted it a different color, but it's the same bike. God's showing him, I can do anything about it. But see, what if, I, I've, I've apologized to God ever since I heard that. I only heard it recently. And I've apologized to God over and over again. And I said, this is a work you've got to do in me because I wouldn't have done it. I just flat wouldn't have done it. You want me to steal a bike? No. I'm, I mean, that's where I am right now. I'm not going to stay there. Now, I've heard and obeyed the Lord a lot of times. I've heard and disobeyed the Lord a lot of times. <laughs> but I said, you're going to have to do a greater work in me somehow. Because I don't think I would have obeyed that. 
Okay. Well, and that's part of the problem. Now, here, see, I would have let my intellect, my thinking, override the voice of the Lord. Okay? Now, this is where the church is. Even the ministers, okay, I miss something. The subject is authority. Why doesn't it happen when we speak? Now, this morning's message again, he had me read the verse from Second Peter. Give me a second. It's on here somewhere. About we have been made kings. No. A royal priesthood. That's the verse. He has made us a royal priesthood. I'm sorry, you guys. I know. Here it is. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen generation. Now get this. A royal priesthood. If you look up the word royal and, and the Greek word, it means kingly. So this is a kingly priesthood. It is the anointing of a king and a priest combined together. See, during the dispensation of the law, there was nothing like that. There was a king and there was a priest. They were separate things. They had separate things they were allowed to do. And you could get in trouble if a king started taking over. In fact, Saul got in trouble for taking over some of the priestly things when he wasn't supposed to. Well, where do we find a kingly priesthood, a royal priesthood? Is there a type and shadow in the Old Testament? Absolutely. It's Melchizedek. You can look this up now or later, but Genesis fourteen eighteen says, Melchizedek, king of Salem. Got that? Melchizedek, by the way, Salem became Jerusalem. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest. Of the Most High God. Now what does Hebrews say about our Lord? That are a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. And it talks about the power of an endless life. But see he has made us kings and priests. After the same order of Melchizedek. And by the way. You have the power of an endless life. <laughs> but see. Again the word king. King. And authority are almost synonymous. If you have a king who has no authority, he is a king in name only. And sadly, that's where the church is when it comes to our royal priesthood. And it all comes to surrendering completely to the Lord. Surrendering completely. I wrote this paragraph. It says, what causes a man to be under authority? So that he has authority. See, the Roman centurion, again, I am a man under authority. He understood that. He understood that Jesus was completely under the authority of the Father. But now, what if the centurion would have had this attitude? Oh, when instructions come down to me from Rome, I judge each and every one of them to see if I agree with it or not. <laughs> I obey the ones I agree with. I partially obey the ones that I semi-agree with. Sometimes I want to do something completely different from what Rome says. In those cases, I just do what I want. <laughs> but Rome gives me full backing anyway. And they'll back up anything I say. Do you think that's true? Absolutely not. 
Why is there not more real authority in the church today? Because the royal priesthood, it's not just the ministers, all of us. The royal priesthood pretty well has the attitude that I just described. Now, I've been asking the Lord since this morning's message. The key, how do you change that? I mean, I've been saved a long time. You've been saved a long time. We've been spirit-filled a long time. Most of us have a lot of miles on us prayer-wise. The Lord's done tremendous things to change us, you know. But I can tell we've got to change some more. Now, Pastor Bronk, Bronk Flint, in Florida, during one of his recent messages, he's, he, he gave a glimpse of this, too. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works in all of us at the same time, trying to bring us along. And he says, I, 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 don't, he says, I don't know how to say this exactly yet. He says, ten years ago, if you'd asked me, I'd, I'd have said something like, well, yeah, we're going into revival, and, and we're going to have more power and more miracles than we've ever seen before. But he said, the way I thought about it then, it was like, okay, I'm going to have my life, and then I have my minister life, and they're kind of separate. But that's not really the case. No, he says, to really be in revival, my life has to end, and his life has to be the one in me. See, and Jesus told us exactly that. Now, while we're, you got your Bibles, go to Matthew, excuse me, yeah, Matthew 10, verse 39. Jesus told us, trouble is we just haven't believed it. Yes, sir. Now, when I say that, remember, Bronk has kids. He has grandkids. Now I think he's got some great-grandkids. Uh, he's, he's not only a pastor, he's a father. He's a grandfather. There's soccer games to go to. There's, you know, there, he's, well, think about the Roman centurion. He was probably married. Can't, we can't prove it one way, but let's just say he could have been. He could be married. He could have had children. They had extracurricular activities after school. But see, and he was allowed to have a family and all of that, but, Never was he not a Roman centurion. And if you got an order from Rome right in the middle of the soccer game, you understand what I'm saying? Okay, Rome comes, you gotta, you gotta do what Rome says. Well, that's the way it is with us, right in the middle of your soccer game. <laughs> right in the middle of your pork chop at Charleston's. Halfway through the pork chop. God says, I need you to go give a hundred dollars to so and so. Sorry, I gotta go. I'm taking the pork chop with me. <laughs> <laughs> one time, one, one time I was praying at the ugly building. I told you about the prayer plan. And at that time, I was just so many hours every day. I, you know, start at this time, end at that time, so many hours. He was teaching me. He was teaching me how to do it. And one time I was praying over there and he says, I want you to take a certain amount of money and drive across town and give it to this person. Okay, Lord, I heard that. Now, as soon as I get through praying, I'll go do that. And the Lord, I heard back, aren't you here praying to hear my voice? <laughs> I went, oh, you mean now? <laughs> isn't, isn't it great that he, he loves us and trains us and grows us up, you know? I told him about Sue's example this morning. I probably messed up the details, but the essence of it is right. She was coming out of the, that, that she was down at Crystal City Shopping Center and there was this fella and God tells her to give him a certain amount of money. 
She had just, just, was at Carl's? She had just bought some food at Carl's Coney Island. By the way, if you haven't eaten at Carl's Coney Island, you missed half your life. But it's great. But anyway, she's coming out, and God says, give him your food. What did she say? She says, should I give him my food, Father? Come up, come up here. I can't repeat all of this. I, I never give enough detail. Go ahead. He was, he was a very large man. He was just walking towards me as I had come out of the Coney place, and I had this big box of Coney's, and um, I said, Lord, do you, you want me to give him my food? I can go get some more. And he said, I mean, he, it was like, that was the second time he had ever done that when he told me, no, really strong. It was like a, a parent would talk to a child that was getting ready to touch a hot stove or something like that. And it just took me aback. I, I, I oh, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And just then... I could see the man. He was yards away, and he started just um, yelling and and flinging his arms and hitting with his fists in the air and acting crazy. And so I know he was demon possessed. I mean, you could see it clearly. And the Lord didn't want me to get involved with him. Uh, tell the other one, because I got, I got the two incidents mixed up. I believe maybe it was here at the church. And the Lord told you to give a person a certain amount of money, and you was going to give more or something. Oh, okay. that, that, was, that meant everything. It, it taught us a lot, just that one instance. And we were new in the Lord, and, and we're just learning things. And uh, he was teaching us and training us to be givers like he wanted us to and and what the money was for when he blessed us with it. So we were sitting over there and this family that had a lot of kids was present and the Lord told me to give the woman, the mother, a certain amount of money. And I said, okay, Lord, but I don't think, I don't know if I have that much in my purse. So I started looking right at that. Right don't at don't that. look away. Oh, <laughs> you just <laughs> You're using my microphone. <laughs> and right at that second, the lady just behind me, to my, just within reach, handed me the money that I had made from us having a garage sale the day before. She handed it to me, and it was over the amount that he had told me to give. And I said, well, Lord, I'll just give her all of this. And he said, no, that would be adding to my word. There you go. And boy, did that teach us a lesson then, because over the years... Not only 
hearing who to give to and who and what amount is so important. You never add to his word. You don't, don't take away from it. You say, I, well, I'll just give them blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, but anyway, it meant everything to us as our training just continued and lots of other things would happen a little bit at a time. We, we understood that it was the Lord's money and we gave according to his instructions and that was it. Amen. We didn't have that understanding before, see. Amen. Good, good job. As Lily would say when she was little, good job. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've only got a few more minutes here now. See, he'll train us starting in the little things. Lolita told us she could keep you here for days. <laughs> the miracles and the things. He has become, can I say, expert at hearing his voice and obeying, even when it seems ridiculous. The Lord's given her cars that way. The Lord's, all kinds of things have happened that way. She's been healed of, uh, what'd you call that? What that woman said, there was a tumor. <laughs> a 16-cylinder tumor that she had. Lord supernaturally healed her, but she had to follow the Lord on it. The doctor kept giving her prescriptions, and she'd put them in the glove box. Because <laughs> the Lord was telling her what to do. She got healed, and it was a sign and a wonder to that guy, to that, that doctor. Said. But, all kind, see, but he'll train each and every one of us, just like with us in the beginning, to, to follow his voice. Okay, and I want to finish with this. Now listen, the centurion came to that place of authority the same way. Rome watched him. You start, you start off in boot camp. Everybody starts off as a private. You start off as a soldier. Well, how do you get promoted to authority? The higher-ups watch you. Do you do what we say or do you not do what we say? It's no different with the Lord. See, we could go to Luke 16 right now, where Jesus said, He that's faithful in little, he's also faithful in much. Don't think he's not watching. He is too. Not just when it comes to your giving. He's watching everything. Did you obey me the last time? Did you not obey me the last time? And sometimes you fail. I, I'm trying to be very transparent. I, I told you all about my fasting failure this morning. <laughs> okay. How many knows he's the God of the second chance, third chance? I'm really glad we're not in the same covenant as Saul. We're in a different covenant, a better covenant established upon better promises that you can't break. See, really, the covenant is between God and Jesus. If you're in Jesus, you get in on the covenant. But you can't break the covenant. You can't break it. See, I thank God. Okay, that's a whole other thing. Well, Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We just appreciate you so much. Glorify you. Thank you, Father. Father, we're all in training. We may, uh, I'm, we may be nearly 75 like myself, but in, in the spirit, Lord, we just see ourselves as children. We're trusting you to lead us. We're doing our best to obey. Please have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us when we fail. But Lord, we're going to keep coming back. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb that is still on the mercy seat. And when we miss it, we can come again and again. We can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.